Hello and welcome to Surveyor Says, the podcast from the National Society of Professional Surveyors. Each week, we bring you fascinating guests that are involved in the profession of surveying. We cover a lot of ground, including table lay talk with Gary Kent, point of order with the NSPS Joint Government Affairs Team, future focus, highlighting current and future leaders of the profession, and everything survey-related in between. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast and hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Surveyor Says. Hello and welcome to another episode of Surveyor Says. This is Tim Birch. And once again, um, because of uh, the legislative wins and uh, how government works, uh, we're going to have to go back to the well again for our, our, our Joint Government Affairs Committee. And uh, our, our government affairs, our legislative consultant, uh, Mr. John, uh, welcome back to welcome back. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago we were talking about a few different things. And but you know what? Once again, the the the, the wheels of government are turning again. And uh, uh, I guess today's topic of Davis Bacon, and we're not talking about uh, uh, smoked or or maple based or anything like this. Uh, we're talking about the uh, uh, Department of Labor. And so, uh, why don't you uh, can you give us a little bit of background on Davis Bacon and where it all came from, and then we can get into where the Department of Labor is going. Uh, with with these new proposed rules that we're talking about and then kind of spreading like wildfire. Well, thanks, Tim. John Palatiello here. It's my pleasure to, to be the government affairs uh, consultant and advisor to NSPS. Of course, John Bird, JB of our team is our registered lobbyist. And uh, it's, uh, it's an honor for us to be working with NSPS. You ask a very good question, Tim, to get things started. Let me, let me put the Davis-Bacon Act in a historic context, and then we can talk about how it affects surveying and then how we find ourselves having this issue on the front burner once again. Um, ironically enough, if you're a student of politics, Davis and Bacon were Republican congressmen uh, from the Northeast of the United States. And during the Depression, what they were finding was that um, construction companies from the South that primarily had African-American workers on their staffs were low bidding construction contracts for federally funded projects in the Northeast and winning those contracts because in the view of Congressman Davis and Congressman Bacon, they were paying substandard below market wages to those African-American workers. So in order to prevent those Southern firms with black or African-American workers from winning these contracts, they put forward legislation. This is during the Depression, 1932. Um, put forward legislation that said the local prevailing wage for the area where the construction project is to take place must be paid to all laborers and mechanics working on that project. Um, that became the law of the land. Many states then adopted their own version of 
Davis Bacon or mini Davis Bacon X. So the federal law applies to anything in construction directly by a federal agency, Corps of Engineers, GSA, National Park Service, Forest Service building a forest road. It also applies to any federally funded project. So if Cook County, Illinois is receiving federal funds and building something, they have to follow the federal Davis-Bacon Act, even if there's not a state law in Illinois, for example. Um, so that uh, now over time, it has, um, there have been a number of problems with Davis-Bacon Act. Number one is the methodology that the Labor Department has used to determine that, quote, prevailing wage, unquote, has always been very controversial. Number two, a lot of studies show that the, quote, prevailing rate as established for a locality by the Labor Department is not really the prevailing market rate, it's the prevailing union rate. And number three, that union scale is much higher than normal, and that inflates the cost of federally financed construction to a point where the Congressional Budget Office, the Government Accountability Office have all recommended repeal of the Davis-Bacon Act, um, but the, no, the votes have never been there in Congress um, to repeal it or to reform it in any common sense way. Now, let's go back and look at a couple of the words that I used. Number one, it applies to construction workers. Number two, it applies to, quote, laborers and mechanics, unquote. And I'm quoting directly from the law. From the time the Davis-Bacon Act was enacted in the 30s until the 1960s, there was always a lot of question as to the extent it might apply to members of survey crews. In 1962, a gentleman named Arthur Goldberg was the Secretary of Labor under President John F. Kennedy. Again, if you're a student of history or American politics, you know that Arthur Goldberg, after being Secretary of Labor, ended up becoming a Supreme Court justice. Secretary Goldberg was asked by some surveying firms to offer an opinion on the extent to which the Davis-Bacon Act applies to members of survey crews. Secretary Goldberg wrote the definitive letter uh, opining of, on that question. And what he said was, that in the normal conduct of a survey related to a construction project, which we now call construction stakeout, that what a member of a survey crew really doesn't meet the definition of a laborer or a mechanic. However, it does, and the Davis-Bacon Act would apply to the extent to which the member of a survey crew is, and I'm quoting from Secretary Goldberg, clearing brush or sharpening stakes, unquote, 
which the secretary said is in itself a rare and minimal activity. Right. In other words, what he said is it doesn't apply. Well, ACSM and NSPS, virtually every decade, every presidential administration since 1962 would go back to the Labor Department, the Wage and Hour Division, which is the agency within the Labor Department that has jurisdiction over this. ACSM and NSPS would go back and say, just want to confirm that's still your opinion. Just want to confirm that's still your opinion. And that has consistently been the opinion of the Labor Department. So that's sort of the, the history of the Davis-Bacon Act and how surveying got involved. And we can talk about where we are today or how we got to where we sure. are today as well. Sure. That's, I mean, I guess that's the next step is, okay, what are they wanting to change? They've come out with this huge document that uh, is, is looking at a lot of things with, with broad strokes. But, uh, you know, obviously, specifically, we're looking at and talking about what we're talking about as far as classifying surveyors as labor. Um, so where, do, where can explain to us where this, this proposed rule change is wanting to take surveying. Okay. So uh, as I said, um, over uh, incrementally over a period of time, NSPS has reaffirmed um, the Goldberg doctrine, if I could use that term. Ironically, there have been legal cases in several states where this question has come up. And in those ruling, either administrative rulings or actual judicial rulings, the Goldberg letter has been cited as the standard for the Davis-Bacon Act or a mini Davis-Bacon Act at the state level that sort of reflects the federal law. Um, in 2013, I believe it was, the Obama administration came out with a memorandum, an AAM or all agency memorandum, in which it said, we are expanding the application of the Davis-Bacon Act to members of survey crews. NSPS was, first of all, blindsided by this because the Wage and Hour Division, again, we have repeatedly visited with that office, had the position of Secretary Goldberg reaffirmed, and out of nowhere, the Obama administration issued this AAM-212. It tremendously expanded the application, but did so in a way that was extraordinarily confusing. We took another number of steps at that time. Number one, we filed the Freedom of Information Act request. And what we found was that the International Operating Engineers Union is who lobbied the Obama Wage and Hour Office to do this. Now, now, mind you, there are only a handful of states, New Jersey, Illinois, California, uh, are the three that come to my mind, where survey crews are in any way organized uh, under the Operating Engineers Union. Right. So, so the Operating Engineers represent a very, very small fraction, very small percentage of survey workers in America. So I think what they were trying to do by extending Davis-Bacon, they were they going to take that and go 
on an organizing campaign and get more surveying firms employees to join the union. Um, what we found was um, the operating engineers um, did one of two things. They either do business very different than private sector surveying firms, or they were very untruthful in what they presented to the Department of Labor. We uncovered a video which ironically is now not available to the public on YouTube. But at the time they produced a video that claimed to show how members of survey crews are laborers and mechanics. For example, they would have 10 person survey crews. One member of the crew would take an instrument out of the truck and walk it over to the job site. Another person would set up the instrument and on and on and on. Tim, you and I know, I mean, you, you're, you're a licensed practicing surveyor. I've been around this business for 40 years. That's not the way business is done. You can't, right. you can't make money doing that in a private firm. Um, you know, you have one man survey crews today with the robotics and the, right. the instrumentation, the computerization um, so that video was very, very deceptive, but the labor department bought it as the gospel truth from the union. Um, we fought long and hard and in the waning days of the Trump administration, the Trump labor department revoked the Obama AAM. Now the Biden administration has put out a new set of rules on implementation of Davis-Bacon. It's more than 400 pages. It is a 50-year wish list of organized labor. In fact, if you read through it, the last major revision to the Davis-Bacon regulations was in 1982 under President Reagan. This proposal that's out now tries to scale back all of the common sense reforms that the Reagan administration put in place in 1982. Sure. So it is the wish list of organized labor. So what they've done in here is establish a new standard. Again, it's very vague, but they expand the reach of Davis-Bacon to members of survey crews. They don't even mention the Goldberg letter. So they have created out of whole cloth with no precedent with complete disregard for court rulings, uh, disregard for how the Bureau of Labor Statistics, another agency of the Labor Department, classifies and defines survey technicians, how the federal government classifies survey technicians that are employed by federal agencies. It is a complete um, departure from every standard for our CSTs, our survey crew members, our technicians, um, in, in a way that's very detrimental. Let me, let me make one other point uh, about this rule and this whole issue. I've had people say to me, well, well, why are we opposed to higher wages for members of survey crews? Well, we're not. Um, 
NSPS's position has never been opposed to higher pay. Number one, it's a question of, should the market determine what the appropriate pay scale is, or should government fiat determine what the appropriate pay scale is? That's number one. Number right. two, should the prevailing wage be set by the broad market, or should it be set by the union wages? Number three, um, there's no evidence, there's no data that says that members of survey crews are paid substandard wages. Uh, there's never been a study or, or any evidence that uh, this is a problem. So it's, uh, <laughs> I remember John Eulinger, who was one of your predecessors as the executive director of ACSM, actually was my boss when I worked at ACSM in the 80s. He had a little saying up on his office, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, this is a classic example of something that ain't broke, doesn't need fixing. Finally, and most importantly, Tim, that I think should be of interest to every NSPS member, every licensed surveyor in America. It is demeaning to call the members of survey crews laborers and mechanics. They are anything but that. So much of what they do in the field now is intellectual in nature. It's, judge, it's, it's making judgments. It's not physical labor. Um, yes, you have to go out and you have to do the stakeout. You have to do the measurement, but it's not, you're not digging holes. You're not operating a bulldozer. You're not hammering nails into the side of a building. You're not pouring concrete. You're taking measurements. And so the whole idea that members of survey crews are quote laborers and mechanics is not only inaccurate, but it's demeaning and it's, it, it runs counter to what NSPS has been trying to do throughout its history in elevating the stature and status and image of both licensed surveyors and the extraordinarily valuable technicians that work under the responsible charge of a licensed surveyor. Absolutely. That's why NSPS is involved in this issue. It's not about being opposed to higher wages. It's about believing in our free market and the proper classification of members of survey crews. Right. And I guess, you know, a couple different thoughts, you know, without getting into more of sociology and a few things. I mean, I, I truly do think you're, you're right that uh, wages are on the upswing. I think we're seeing more. And I think part of that is uh, more and more of these larger firms are, are, I won't say controlling the market, they're helping bring the, the, the fees up. I mean, I think you, whether it's survey crews or pizza parlor or something in small town America, yeah, they're not going to pay anything because that's just, that's part of, that's part of their socio, socioeconomic environment. Um, but I think on a whole, like you said, it, I think there, there are pockets of little, of little things uh, where it might be lower, but on, on, a, on, on the whole, I think it's, it's coming up. Yes. And to have somebody basically saying, no, we want it, we want to base this on a union scale is not correct either. Um, the other part um, that I think is very important, and I, 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 I try to include this in, in my presentations as well, that I, I don't think um, I don't think our profession has really thought this through, that you're exactly right. We we are such of a of a technical uh, nature that just because you know part of part of our duties as construction in construction staking is setting stakes 
Well, that's just prolongating uh, a methodology of, of construction that's been there forever. I mean, I'm waiting for the day when the survey crew is not actually having to physically drive a stake. They're setting some other less laborious point that basically is, you know, what we're tasked with doing is disseminating engineering plans and putting that information on the ground for construction to follow. Um, the labor part is just a tiny part of it. Uh, it's making sure that that, that point that the, the contractor is being told, put the manhole here, put the curb here, put the light pole here. That's our, that's our duty to, to disseminate that engineering plan, put it in the right place. So like I said, I think over time, I think, uh, and especially with, uh, with modeling and uh, a lot of the 3D stuff that's going on, we're going to be construction staking a lot differently in the future and hopefully soon um, that it, you're right. It's going to fly in the face of somebody trying to define surveying as labor and a mechanic. I mean, it just, it just, to me, it's, uh, I, but until the surveying profession hears this and understands it, I don't think they'll, they'll stand up and say, no, I don't apply to this. I don't want to be, I don't want to be uh, a part of this going forward. Well, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that um, sort of that look into the crystal ball on where the technology and the methodology is going is a continuation of what has evolved already. Um, you know, I would, I would make the argument that um, the nature of what members of survey crews did in 1962, when Secretary Goldberg wrote his opinion, more fell under labor and mechanic then than it does today. It was much more physical labor back then than it is today because of the automation, because of the instrumentation, because of the judgment that that field crew has to exercise on the site. So I think your, your vision is a, is a continuum of where it's going based on where it's been. So, you know, the argument is if Secretary Goldberg wrote a very narrow scope of, of Davis-Bacon application in 1962, that scope is even narrower today, not more expansive today. And that's right. where the Labor Department has it wrong. Exactly. All right, so we've got the history, we've got the current situation, we've got this proposed rule change. Uh, right now, there's, we've got till May 17th to make some comments back to the Department of Labor. That's um, correct. And there are other, uh, there are other like-minded organizations that are also gonna be chiming in uh, similarly to what we're doing. What is the next step? What, what, it, what is NSPS going to be doing? You know, what, what ultimately are we going to deliver? And what can the everyday member, what can the everyday practitioner, is there anything that can be done to voice an, voice an opposition to what's, what's happening here? Well, first of all, if you go on the NSPS website and then you click on uh, advocacy, government affairs, um, special issues, you'll find a whole page, a whole archive of information um, about this issue. It includes our Kurt Sumner's testimony before Congress, letters that we've written, Secretary Goldberg's letter, all of these AAMs that we mentioned and so on. So if anyone wants to, to delve into 
uh, more research and, and learn more about this, we have all of that information on the website. Number two, we're going to update that page and put out information with sort of bullet points on things that our members may want to put in writing in a comment to the Labor Department. And you're absolutely right. May 17th is a deadline for public comments. Um, I will tell you that, that public comments work. Um, the, the agencies are relying on that input before it makes a final decision on a regulation. So the more that the Labor Department hears from surveyors across the country, the better it will be. We are going to encourage all of our state affiliates to submit uh, a letter. Um, certainly NSPS will submit comments. Um, and uh, I think you have some ideas in mind beyond this podcast of other ways that we're gonna reach out to our members to make sure they're fully aware of and informed and, and motivated to submit comments uh, on this. We are also working with a number of allies that uh, have been with us on this issue. ACEC is with us. I, I talked to them the other day. Um, ASCE has been with us. The construction organizations, the Associated General Contractors, AGC, the Associated Builders and, and Contractors, ABC, they're with us on this. So a, a variety of different organizations in the design and construction fields uh, are all um, of, a, of the same mind on this issue and they will be submitting comments in opposition to this rule as well. I think the best thing that we can do is to provide an alternative, not just say we're opposed to this rule. Right. What the Davis-Bacon Act regulations ought to say is, this act does not apply to members of survey crews except to the extent they are clearing brush, sharpening stakes, or carrying out similar manual labor activities, period. Right. That's right. what the regulation should say. And that's what we will be recommending in our, in our comments. Right. You know, because, you know, as you, as you uh, alluded to earlier, you know, going back to even, even if there were a, a prevailing rate that that made sense um it's so hard to determine because i just i just know you know coming from uh coming from illinois and the state of chicago versus the the rest of the state um the, the wage disparities mm -hmm. um just simply within a state that for a state to publish uh, a prevailing wage for a, a for a uh a field technician uh, would be so varied from north to south, um, but yet they want to do. They want to put out one rate. Well, generally those rates are for a county or maybe a two or three county area. They generally don't do it for an entire state because okay. of those because of those variations. Good. But again, um, it's a very inexact science. Now this rule does attempt to to try to improve upon. Okay. Methodology that they use to set those rates, but that's a whole separate issue. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's just it. And, and uh, you and I talked about before we jumped on and I've, I've talked about this with several other people that, you know, like, like you said earlier, it, we do seem to see, or we are seeing raising salaries. We are seeing uh, uh, more value being shown within the profession. Um, 
you know, I, I think unfortunately with the with the with the downturn uh, in in uh, basically employment, uh, people are finding other alternatives to to uh, to waiting tables and other things. And you know we've got we we have to take advantage of that as well. And I think you know keeping our rates rates high and uh, being able to provide value to the public. I mean that's that's where the bottom line is. So, um, any closing thoughts on uh, on this whole uh, fiasco? Well, I just want the members of NSPS to to know a couple of things in closing. One is um, again we're not against good wages for um, members of survey crews. We, um, in, in fact, there is data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics that shows of, of all Americans in all job categories, the average annual income of a member of a survey crew is in the upper half of the American economy. So there is, um, do we want people to be well compensated? Absolutely. Um, but should it be done by mark, by government fiat or by um, by market forces? Number two, um, this ruling is demeaning to the profession by classifying members of survey crews as laborers and mechanics, as that term is defined in the law. It it's 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 a deprofessionalization of surveying, and that's why NSPS is involved in this. So we are standing up for professionalism. NSPS will be very comprehensive in its comments. And we would urge all of our members to pay attention to this, submit comments, uh, make the voice of the surveying profession known so that we are continuing to uphold and enhance and advance the professional stature and nature of surveying in the United States. Perfect. Well, there you have it from the from literally the horse's mouth, Mr. John Palatiello, uh, Miller Winhold, our NSPS uh, government uh, government affairs uh, legislative representative. Uh, also, another shout out to uh, to JB Bird, who will be who carries a lot of water up on the, on the hill for us, and will help uh, obviously help push this as uh, push this issue around as well. Um, would like to take a, a, a moment here to say thank you to Pat Smith. Uh, now the former chair of the Government Affairs Committee, Pat, uh, Pat led this committee for many, many years and uh, did a great job. We uh, wish him well on his next endeavors um, and welcome uh, our immediate past president, Mark Sargent, as our new Government Affairs Chair. Uh, bottom line is it's, it's still a, a, a fantastic committee, very strong. We've got great leadership here with John and JB. And uh, John, thank you for, for coming on. Thank you for all that you do. And uh, we look forward to a positive outcome for, for the situation. Thanks, Tim. My pleasure. You've been listening to the Surveyor Says podcast, brought to you by the National Society of Professional Surveyors. If you have any questions about today's episode or any other topic, please email us at info at nsps.us.com, and we are here to help. Visit our website, nsps.us.com, to learn more about our association, the programs we administer and support, our sustaining members, and information about future episodes of Surveyor Says. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, as well as our podcast host, Podbean. And remember, 
it's a great day to be a surveyor.